Welcome to the preaching and teaching ministry of Mary and Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. Tonight we continue on in our Bible study on the life of Peter, and we've subtitled that From Fisherman to Follower of Jesus. And uh, tonight it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to jump in and look at the story and kind of not rush through it, but deal with it kind of quick because the application, I want to have plenty of time to deal with that as we get into the second half of it. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a really, really big need that you could do absolutely nothing about? And somebody else stepped in and helped you with it. That's probably true for all of us, right? Yeah. I can remember um, several situations in our life, but one of them jumped out to me is when we had moved to Dallas, Texas to take a position there. And um, the place that we had left, we had been in a parsonage. So we had no extra money or anything. We moved to Dallas and when we got there, um, we were informed that this next week, this realtor was going to take us around to find a house to buy. And we're like, we don't have any money to buy a house. <laughs> you know, we're going to get paid okay, but we don't have anything for a down payment. And, and it was just kind of assumed that we were going to buy a house. And so we were praying about it, and we didn't have enough nerve at that moment to say anything. But come to find out that the realtor was a member of the church, and any time the church had a staff, it was a larger church, a staff of four, five, six pastors and anytime the church got a new pastor, he would help them find a house, and he would use his commission to be the down payment. And so, you know, we were able to find that out before we had to say, oh, by the way, we can't afford a house, you know, anything like that. And God gave us a great house. But but the thing that was so cool about that is that we had this need. There was nothing at the moment that we could do anything about, and God provided it through somebody and he said that he just considered that part of his ministry. God had blessed him in the real estate business. And so when he could pass that on for staff coming to the church, he did that. So, you know, on the other side, have you ever really, really, really wanted to help somebody? They had a major need, but you didn't have the resources. You know, we experience this all the time when we know people that are sick. And it's like, well, if it was up to me, I'd heal them right now, you know. And we pray, and that's what we should do. And if God doesn't heal them right now, he's got a reason, and we trust that by faith. But we can't do anything about that. Or maybe we see somebody that's battling a problem in a relationship or a financial situation that we really can't make a difference. It can be frustrating, right? Well, along those lines, we're going to be looking at this story tonight from Peter's life. And how God used him to give something to somebody that was in great need. But uh, one of the main thoughts that's in here, and it's not on your note sheet, but it's illustrated all the way through, is that we need to not focus on what we don't have to give, but instead focus on what we do have to give. And so the title of the lesson tonight is, What I Have, I Give to You. I don't know if you looked at that title when you came in and said, I'm not sure if I want to stay for Bible study tonight. Just joking. Anyway, we're going to be reading this story from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. We'll work it through it a little bit at a time. Uh, Again, from Peter's life, we are now after Pentecost. We've studied a lot along the way. If you've missed any of them, you can listen to them online. Um, But Peter's life was drastically, dramatically changed on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon him. We talked about that a little bit last week. He didn't become perfect. He still made mistakes. 
although we don't have near as many records of mistakes after Pentecost as we do before, okay? But God uses him in powerful ways. He becomes the leader of the early church in Jerusalem for a period of time. Eventually, he does a lot of traveling, so that leadership position passes on to James, Jesus' brother or half-brother. But um, in this story, we're going to see Peter, who has been touched by the power of God, touching somebody else with the power of God. Okay, so this particular story takes place about three months after Pentecost. All right, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. Peter got up and preached. We studied that last week. 3,000 people are saved and baptized and added to the church. The church is growing on a daily basis, and we pick up the story here. And I've broken the story up into three different sections, and the first one I've called a human tragedy, a human tragedy. So let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, which, according to their way of reckoning, that's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. But uh, here's an interesting question, which we can't, we can't know the answer from Scripture because it doesn't say. But why was this man not healed by Jesus? You might say, well, Jesus probably never saw him. That may be true. But keep in mind, he's 40 years old. He has never walked. He has been brought to the temple every day. Jesus went to the temple every time he came to Jerusalem. This is one of the main gates going into the temple. So there's a good chance that Jesus passed by him at some point. Now, we don't know why from the Bible. We don't even know for sure if Jesus did. But if Jesus did see him, why do you think perhaps that Jesus did not heal him while he was here on this earth? What are some possible reasons why he might not have healed him? He knew Peter was coming along later. Okay, in other words, there was another purpose for this point in time. Yeah. Could be the guy didn't ask for healing. Jesus healed some people that didn't ask for it, but most of the time it's because people asked for it. I mean, we're just speculating here. I like your answer, though, because we're going to see that this is a key event in the beginning of Acts that God's going to use powerfully. Chris, did you have something different than that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he maybe reserved him for later. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm being serious. You know, and, and, is you and Sonny are saying the same thing. See, right? I mean, we're, again, we're just speculating. It may be that he and Jesus never did come in contact. But the reason I'm spending so much time on this is that there are so many times when we pray for God to do something, He doesn't do it right away. We know He's capable. And we've taught, we've talked about this a lot. When God doesn't do something we ask him to do that we know he's capable of and there's nothing wrong with it, especially healing or something like that, we've got to trust that there is a reason for that and that God does want to bring good out of it. And in this case, if Jesus had ever seen him and if Jesus had passed him by without healing him, then there was a good reason and we could certainly figure out what that good reason is without speculation because this man's healing now is going to make a tremendous impact on the spread of the gospel in Jerusalem here at the beginning of the early church. Tim. 
It could be that he didn't have faith in Jesus, which would be very unusual because everybody was running after Jesus for healing because he'd healed so many people. But you never know. You never know. But the point is, is that when we go through life and we deal with difficulty and we're praying, 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 and God is not doing what we want him to do or think he should do or think he'd like to do, we say, God, I am trusting you and I'm believing you're going to bring something good out of this. You know, um, I didn't put on your note sheet, but I've told you many times one of my favorite scriptures is Romans 8.28, where it talks about how God can bring good out of anything and he will for his people. Okay? Yes, Vita. That's right. God and his providence had a different plan. That goes along with what Chris had said, is that God wanted to use Peter to share the gospel with him. And I'm sure it had the side effect of building Peter's faith, too, and John's, you know. And so if we look at this as kind of a picture of life, you know, there's probably one or two people around us in our life that are hurting in some way, right? More than one or two. That was the whole point, okay? There's a lot of people around us that are hurting a lot of people that are in need. You know, we, we I called this section a human tragedy. There's a lot of tragic situations around us. There's a lot of people dealing with misfortune, either of their own device or or for some other circumstances. Um, the world is full of human hurt, human suffering, human tragedy. Sometimes it's obvious, like this guy. You know, I mean, he's lame. He's been there for 40 years. Um, it's very obvious. But, you know, a lot of times... The tragedy and the circumstances, the painful difficulties, the hurt that people deal with, you don't see it. You know, if we are a normal group of people, even as Christians, there's a lot of pain in this room. And I'm not saying that we're not following Jesus and we're not letting God minister to us. We are, you know, but in this room, if we could all tell our stories or whatever, there's been a lot of pain because that's what it's like living in a fallen, sinful world. Right. But thank the Lord we've got Jesus who wants to work in our circumstances. Okay, you know, for every person that has an obvious physical need, there's probably a whole bunch that have an emotional need. And for everyone that has an emotional need, there's a whole, whole, whole bunch that have a spiritual need. You know, because before we know Jesus, we all need to know Jesus. All right. I've got a question I put on your note sheet. And as you leave tonight and we go, don't just leave this lesson behind. But I want you to meditate on that is who is at your gate? Okay, Uh, this is the gate of the temple. This is where Peter and John were going. But we all have a gate. We all have gates. Basically, wherever it is that we're going, wherever it is that we are, who might be at your gate? And that could change from day to day as you go through life. Who is it that God allows to be in your path? that he might want to use you to touch. Because there are people all around us with needs, even people who seem to have no needs. We, we just mentioned that. Okay. What kind of needs might be needs that are unseen? I mean, the obvious, the physical ones, whatever. But what are some of the needs that might be there that we would never know unless somebody shares them with us or whatever? Emotional needs. And there's, and that's just a big category, right? What are some emotional needs people might have? Depression. What else? Anxiety. Okay. Related a little bit to depression, but doesn't have to be as grief, right? Anger, bitterness, unforgiveness. Those two kind of go together. All right. Um, some other things are financial problems that maybe they don't let people know about. Um, and this is not to say that we should trumpet all of our needs to the whole world. 
I'm just saying there's a lot of needs that people don't know about just by looking at somebody. Maybe a problem in a relationship, in a marriage, with children, with parents, um, problems at work, um, problems at school, low self-esteem, guilt, or just a problem they don't know where to turn. Okay? So, in this story, we have a human tragedy, but to be honest with you, in our sinful, fallen world, there's a lot of tragedy. And when we're in the midst of crisis and such, we need something. And that's the second point here, and that's a heavenly touch. And we see that in this story here, a heavenly touch. Look at the story as we go on in verse 4. As the man asked for alms, verse 4, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. Now, he said, look at us uh, for a reason. Beggars did not look at the people they were hoping to get alms from. They had an attitude and a posture of humility. They would look down. They would be like, could you help me? And he says, no, look at me. Look at me. I want your attention. I, I want to interact with you. Okay? He says, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. That's where our title comes from. What I have, I give to you. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. So this man, dealing with tragedy, he dealt with for a long time, got a heavenly touch. And Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We've talked about that before. In the name of, it means by the authority of. Jesus had given them authority to go and preach the gospel, and in the process to pray for people to be healed. And all that kind of stuff. So by the authority of and by the power of. Now, it says here, Peter said, I have no silver and gold. Why did Peter not have money? Was it because his wife had gone shopping that morning? That was a thought that kind of came to me. I'm not saying it's the right thought, but it's three in the afternoon. Plenty of time to spend money before then. Now, why, why do you think Peter didn't have any money? Again, the Bible doesn't say, so it's just speculation. So you think he lied to him? Because he says, I don't have any. Uh-huh. Okay, it could be he just didn't have any on him, right? It could be he'd already seen some people and given it to him. But we don't know. Um, I just mainly asked the question so I could say something about his wife. But anyway, <laughs> so Peter didn't have any money with him, right? But what did he have? He had the authority of Jesus. What else did he have? Faith. Faith, okay. What? Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up. Yeah. So he had faith. All right. He had authority. What else did Peter have? Boldness. Yeah. Can you think of anything else Peter had? Compassion. Yeah, I'm sure. That's not mentioned, but I certainly have no problem believing that. All right. Uh, It goes along with the authority, but he had power to heal. Did he have that just kind of built in because he was Peter? No. He got that from... God, right? The power of the Holy Spirit to heal. It wasn't his own power or God. In fact, his whole attitude makes it very clear. You know, he's, I don't, he basically says, I don't have anything, but Jesus does. So in his name and by his authority, get up and walk. I also believe that he, it's not stated here, but he also had direction of the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit let him know what to do. Okay? Um, so, anyway, why did he have those things? Is it because he is Peter? He was the number one leader 
Um, you know, he was the leader of the church. Um, he's somebody special. Why did Peter have all that? Tim? Yeah, there's a number of places where Jesus said that after I'm gone, you need to go out there, make disciples, you know, preach the gospel to all creation. It's mentioned in each gospel in a little bit different. He says, and when you do, there will be power that comes along with that. That power comes from the Holy Spirit. So he has that not because of anything good or right or whatever in himself, but because he was doing what God, Jesus told him to do. And he was empowered by Jesus. And it's because he had a relationship with Jesus. He had had a relationship with Jesus, but he still had a relationship with Jesus. Even though Jesus was not physically on the earth, Jesus said, I will be with you all the way to the end of the age. And at the beginning of the book of Acts, it says, it talks about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. He was still doing things through his disciples. So it's because of the relationship Peter had with Jesus, and he was filled with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, that he had the ability to do that. Yeah, Chris, I think I saw your hand. All right, good point, good point. So this man needed a touch from God, right? I would imagine he probably prayed to God for healing. Um, how was he going to get let's, let's say he heard about this new group of people, and God's doing powerful, phenomenal things, and you know miracles are being done. How is he going to get this touch from God? Think about this. He can't go anywhere by himself, all right? Um, he can't go anywhere by himself. He couldn't get to where the followers were meeting. I mean, unless he found someone to take him there. He needed somebody to come to him. That's the point I want to make. Peter and John, they didn't set out to find him, but they ended up coming to him. And the main point I want to get here is we don't need to just wait for people to come to us. Okay? And we don't want to just wait for people to come to church to expect that maybe God's going to use us to touch people. We need to realize that God wants to use us in our everyday lives. You know, Peter and John didn't go out looking for people to heal. They were just going to temple to pray like they did every day. And in the process, they came across this guy in need. And in the same way, we may go to work, we may go to Walmart, we may go wherever we go, and we're going to come across people that are in need. And we need to just be aware that God may want to use us and be sensitive to his Holy Spirit's leading there's so many people that need a heavenly touch from God today, and a lot of them are not going to go to church for whatever reasons, okay? Good, bad, and different. It doesn't really matter, but they may never end up in a church, and that's why Jesus said to go. You know, I've shared this before. You know, when I preach on a Sunday morning, I preach mostly to believers because that's mostly who's there. That's what the church is about. But God does bring unbelievers in sometimes, especially when you guys invite them, and that's great. And that's why in most services I will share what the gospel is but I believe with all my heart that God's primary way of reaching people is his people being fed at church, being made strong in relationship, and then going out and making a difference in the world out there. Okay? On your note sheet, I have this. God has empowered us to be his messengers wherever we go. God has empowered us to be his messengers wherever we go. And Peter and John were being messengers like that. Now, the thing is, we look at Peter and John, and we look back and say, oh, they were, they were some of the foundation of the church. They were pillars of the church. Peter was the leader, you know, both before and after Pentecost. And, and that's because they were just so special to God. And they were special to God. But you're special to God, too. You know? And that's why I tried to emphasize a little while ago, why was Peter able to do this? Was it because he was extra special? Was it because he was leader? No. 
You know, and in the same way, we don't need to think, well, God could never do anything like that through me. You know, God could never use me in some significant way. Now, please understand that it doesn't have to be some miraculous healing for it to be significant. How many of you know there are some people that need something uh, other than a healing that if they had that work in their life, it's much more important than just some kind of physical healing. And God can use us. And they didn't even set out to do it. They were just going to pray, going about their normal routine. But also notice that as they were going about their normal routine, they allowed that normal routine to be interrupted. Okay? They didn't look at the guy and say, hey, I, I appreciate you. Here's a little bit. Oh, we don't have any money, but we're ready. We're going to pray to Jesus. You know, they could have been really spiritual. It reminds me of the story of the Good Samaritan, you know, the guy that was beaten, left for dead. And the priest goes by. He probably had more spiritual things to do than to try to help that guy. And the Levite, who was sort of like in our culture, an elder or a deacon or whatever, you know, he probably had more spiritual things to do than to help this guy. But then the enemy of the Jewish people decided to help him. You know, in the same way, we can, we can, we can get so caught up in spiritual things that we miss people that are in need. We, we need to allow ourselves to be interrupted. And I, I'll just tell you, I have as big a problem with that as you do. You know, I'm a pastor, in case you didn't know. And, you know, I got a lot of things to do as a pastor. You know, and I'm studying and I'm doing whatever pastors do and, and get a phone call about somebody in need. It's like, this is not a real convenient time. I don't even know who you are. You're coming through town, whatever. And it's like, okay, God, you know what? This isn't, this, this isn't interruption. This is an appointment. You know, but that's not true just for pastors. It's for all of us. We need to look at the things that come into our life that maybe on the surface look like this is an interruption in my day and I really don't want to do this because I got all these other things to do. God, is this an appointment from you? So we got to keep that in mind. All right. So anyway, their ministry brought a heavenly touch to a human tragedy. I put this on your note sheet. The same thing is true for us. Our ministry is to bring a heavenly touch to a human tragedy. Okay. Now notice, what did this guy want? Money. What did he need? Healing. But what did he really need? Jesus. Salvation. All right. Um, now, let me be very quick to say here that this story is not trying to illustrate that we don't ever need to try to meet people's physical needs. We just need to tell them about Jesus. Um, if Peter had had some money, I'm sure he'd have been glad to give him some money, but he didn't have any. Okay. And I'm not saying that if he had some money, he'd have given him money and forget about praying for him for healing. I'm just saying that, that people need all different kinds of things. And the Bible makes it very, very clear that we need to be sensitive to people's other needs too. Um, you know, Jesus told the parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25, 35 to 40. You can read that on your own. And he basically says that when we get to the end of time and there's judgment, you know, we'll go to heaven because we're saved. We're trusting in Jesus for salvation. But what we've done with our lives and how we've used what God has given us for his kingdom and to meet the needs of other people is really important. And he talks about the people that would be commended because they helped people in need. They went to visit people in the prison, you know. They, they ministered to people that were struggling and going through crisis and tragedy, okay. James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? You know, the spiritual needs are the most important, but we need to be ready to help with the physical needs. If you were to go on and read in Acts, I uh, have it on your note sheet there, Acts 3, 45, and then Acts 4, 34 and 35, it talks about how the early church was all about reaching people for Jesus, encouraging and challenging each other, and meeting the needs of the people. 
So much so that people would sell extra homes and property and give all the money to meet the needs of other people. So, as it was led by God. So we have this human tragedy and a heavenly touch, and when you add those together like an equation, you have a healing transformation. That's the end of the story as far as we're going tonight, verses 8 to 10. So let's look at this. It says, and leaping up. All right, so, so Peter says, listen, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk, took him by the right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, verse 8, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. By the way, there's two miracles here. The first one is that he's not lame anymore. The second one is that he's able to walk and leap without ever having done it before in his life. Okay? I mean, seriously, that is a miracle. If you think about it, when, when kids grow up, they got to learn to walk. And if you've ever been debilitated, you broke a leg uh, or whatever, you know, once it's healed, you don't just get up and you're normal. It takes a while to get back to where you can walk and run and everything else normal. And he just had never walked in his life. And all of a sudden, he's walking, leaping and all this stuff. So that's, that's two miracles right there. Verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So this man was healed and he was changed. Okay? Now think about it. What did this mean? It meant that he could walk. He could run. He could work. Maybe that wasn't such a good thing. No, it is a good thing. You, you know, having to beg all your life and now you can actually do something. You know? Um, that could do a lot for you emotionally, too. All the other things he'd been denied in life, okay, he's able to do. Another thing is that people that had physical needs like this, many times they were not allowed to enter the temple. He goes into the temple with them. This is probably the first time in his life he's ever gone into the temple, which is the place of God's presence and the place where his people worship God. So, anyway. Now, here's the thing. This is a great miracle. But we need to not be sidetracked by the miracle. This healing is great, but what he really needed was Jesus. And to be honest with you, God loved him, and God wanted to heal him, and God did heal him. But that wasn't the end of the story. Okay, it is for tonight. But God did this all as a setup to draw a crowd, and Peter is going to preach, and we'll study that next week. And then beyond that, Peter and John are going to be arrested. That can't be God, can it? It is God. They're arrested, thrown in jail, and the next day they appear before the religious leaders and they have a chance to preach and share again to the religious leaders. So out of this one man's healing, God cared about the man as an individual, but God also orchestrated it as to use it as a great platform to talk about Jesus to people that were open and receptive and to people that weren't. And we'll study that in the next couple of weeks, okay? So I want to get into the practical part of this so we apply this to our life because we're surrounded by tragedy like we talked about before, and God wants to use us. So what do you have to give? Just like Peter, you can't give what you don't have. Okay? But what do we have? What do we have that we can give to other people? We just bring some time. Okay, Mom? Time, talents, abilities. Okay, what else do we have? Love. Chris? That's true. We have to be open to God's agenda, not just our own. What else do we have? Vita. The what? The confirmation of God's word. We also have authority. Okay. All right. What else do we have? Nobody mentioned money. 
Peter and John didn't have any money, but we probably do, right? If not in our pockets or our wallet someplace. All right, well. You know, sometimes we, like we started out saying, we get so sidetracked thinking about what we can't do because of what we don't have that we don't think about what we do have. All right? Um, We feel like, well, I can't do a miracle, so God can't really use me that way. And and to be honest with you, there aren't as many miracles that happen on a day-to-day basis as we see in Jesus' life and ministry and in the book of Acts. Although, to be honest with you, we look at, of course, Jesus' life and ministry, they were all over the place because Jesus was here confirming who he was, signs and miracles. We look at the back book of Acts and we see all these miracles and such, But um, and you look at history and you hear about other miracles but when you look at all of history and all the miracles that are recorded, it's not like they are happening every, except in the early church, they're every single day. Now, I'm not saying they don't happen today. We do believe in miracles, okay? God seemed to have done a whole lot more back then to confirm his word and to establish the church, and he still does today. So don't say that Pastor Tim doesn't believe in miracles. I do believe in miracles, okay? Um, yeah, Tim, what were you going to say? We have our testimony. Yeah, we have our own experience with Jesus that we can share with people. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've got a couple things written down here, and it's not an exhaustive list. Um, but what do we have that we can give to people? Number one, your attention. You know, sometimes another person can tremendously benefit from the fact that you're just willing to listen to them. You know, even people that go to counselors, a lot of counseling is just listening all right um so just being willing to listen to someone and 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 you know what that's like sometimes you just want somebody to listen you don't want them you don't want them or need them to fix you just would you just listen to me you know all right second one is encouragement maybe you don't have the money to meet their financial need maybe maybe you've prayed for them and god has not chosen to heal them Maybe, you know, there's nothing you can do about their marriage, but you can encourage them, right? Number three is prayer. And these aren't in order of priority because prayer would come right at the top, but you can pray for them, you know, and that is significant, all right? Uh, If we believe God's word, our prayers make a difference, so we can pray for them. Number four, practical help, practical help, Um. We can use our time, our abilities, or whatever to, to help them with their problem. Run an errand, you know, do something. Help them with a project. If there is a financial need and you're in a situation where you can meet that need or at least help meet that need, it's an honest, sincere need that's not going to enable, you know, you got all these things you got to weigh about. You don't want to enable somebody, you know, that kind of thing. But if you, if there is an honest, sincere financial need, you got a way to do it or at least do part of it, then you can do that too. Okay? All right. But the fifth thing and the most important thing, what we have is we've got the good news. All right? If we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have a hope. And that's the most important thing this man needed, and he heard it in Peter's sermon. Now, it doesn't say in Acts whether this man's confessed faith in Jesus. I have a feeling he probably did after what Jesus just did for him. Okay? But that was the thing he most needed. A scripture I like to use is 1 Peter 3.15. It says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. We may not have all the scriptures memorized, although we can work on that, we should. We may not have all the answers to every question. I don't have all the answers to every question. But if we know Jesus, we all have a testimony. 
And we should know why we believe in Jesus. We should have a reason for the hope that we have. And we, if nothing else, we can share that with other people. So it's really important that we not only have that relationship with Jesus, obviously for our own salvation, but that we're growing in that relationship too. And that will give us more that we can share with other people. So that's what we have. But this last part here is what can you do? What can you do? We see some things in this story that can apply directly to us. All right. Number one, we can pray. Uh, that is also on the other list of what do we have. We have prayer. But we can pray because power comes through prayer. This whole story starts out because Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. Now, it doesn't say they're going to pray for this man. They don't even know this man, it doesn't seem to indicate, okay? But they understood the power of prayer. So we can pray. We see that in Jesus' life. We've been talking about that a lot as we've worked our way through Luke, that Jesus being God himself in the flesh, probably, you know, full of and empowered by the Holy Spirit more than anybody else without any kind of blockage of sin because he never sinned, didn't have a sinful nature, but yet he wanted, and it seems to indicate he needed that time with God. And it seems to indicate every single day. And he prayed. We see the example of the early church. If you work your way through the book of Acts, and I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, and you look at every time God does something phenomenal, almost every single time prayer is associated with it. Okay. All right. Second thing is, Keep your eyes open. Potential miracles are all around you. In our story in verse 4, it says Peter directed his gaze at him. He didn't go looking for him. They're just going to the temple. If the guy hadn't said anything, they might have just passed him by. But God brought him to their attention. You know, he asked for alms, and Peter looked at him. And, um, you know, we, we talked about that just a little while ago. Be open to what God has for you in your day. Um, I've shared before that in the morning I wake up and a lot of times I'll say, Lord, help me to walk. Jesus, help me to walk really closely with you today. Um, and part of that is, uh, you know, to see what you want me to see and to do what you want me to do and, and all that kind of stuff. We need to keep our eyes open. I, I would imagine that probably all of us would be amazed at the opportunities that we miss. You know, we just need to pray, God, help me to see the opportunities that you're bringing my way. All right. Peter and John could have been so focused on prayer that they didn't even notice the man. So keep your eyes open. I like this quote. I put it on your note sheet. It's from the um, Life Application Bible Commentary. It says, don't get so preoccupied doing God's work that you miss God's will. We're so focused on what you think God wants you to do, and it probably is what God wants you to do, that you miss that momentary thing that God wants you to do. Okay, so don't get so preoccupied doing God's work that you miss God's will. So we need to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. We need to listen to the voice of God. And I think that if we will live life that way, that we'll see a whole lot more opportunities. God wants to work through us a whole lot more than I think we think he does or that we recognize just in the routine events of life. He wants to use us in our world. Yeah, Tim. A man who what? He went for coffee. Okay. Gotcha. That is a great illustration that just buying a cup of coffee for someone encouraged them enough that it kept them from committing suicide. You know, it doesn't, I mean, God can and does the miraculous, all right? And we should pray for that and believe for that. But just the simple things can make a tremendous difference, all right, if we're willing to be used. Um, 
by Jesus. So, you know, we need to have our eyes and ears open. Uh, number three there, be willing to give what you have to help others. Don't be so much focused on what you don't have, but what do you have? Okay? Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I'll give to you. You know, look around. Ask yourself, what do the needs of this, what are the needs of this person, and what can I do to minister to those needs? All right? Now, I obviously, I'm not trying to say that you should go out every single day and ignore all your other responsibilities and look for people to help for Jesus, unless God tells you to do that, okay, on a particular day or whatever. But just to be open to those things. And when God does draw you to somebody else, God, am I supposed to do something for this person? What is it that I can do? Can you guide me and lead me to find out what it is that I can do? Of course, the end goal is to lead them to Jesus, all right? But first, we've got to reach out to them in such a way that it touches their need. You know, uh, as missionaries go around the world, and, and the principle is true here, too, if you've got somebody who's in severe um, financial need or physical need or they don't have enough food to eat or whatever, until that need is met or whatever, it's going to be very hard for them to hear the gospel. It's not going to be impossible. That's why a lot of times when missionaries go overseas, they work on things like getting water to a village where people have to walk two hours to get water, you know, or they take food or support children and all that kind of stuff because when their stomach is full, it's easier for them to hear the gospel, you know. All right. Number four, don't depend on yourself but on God. Don't depend on yourself but on God. You see, if we're going to go based on what we feel like we have the capacity or capability of doing, we're not going to attempt to do much of anything, right? But it's not us, it's God that wants to work through us. Number five, be willing to give a helping hand to get involved, okay? I, I look at uh, where it said there that Peter reached out his hand and helped him up. It's kind of a picture that we need to be willing to give a helping hand, all right? Um, I love this quote, uh, a great theologian, his name is John Stott. He said this, the power was Christ's, but the hand was Peter's. It was Jesus' power that did it, but it was Peter's hand that set it into motion. And it just shows how God wants to work together with us. He'll do what we can't do, but he wants us to do what we can do. All right? And then the uh, six, again, this is the, the end goal here. Share the gospel of uh, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. When God opens that door, share the gospel. Okay? As I said, this miracle was just the preparation so that they could share the gospel. Um, on your note sheet, I have... Chapter 3, verses 11 to 26, that's what we're going to look at next week. And this is Peter's message. You know, this healing, it drew a big crowd. And so he shares the gospel, not just with the man that was lame, but with everybody that's gathered. Um, the key thought of it is found in verses 19 and 20. He says, repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come, up, come from the presence of the Lord. Because he uses this opportunity to say, this Jesus, you know, it's because of him that if we repent of our sins, we can have a relationship with God. All right. And then number seven is be willing to pay the price. This is another reason why sometimes we hesitate, because it's going to cost us something. What are some things that could cost us to really be used by God in our world to touch people's lives? What are some things that could cost us? Our time takes time. When I referred earlier, you know, you got your agenda, you got your, you're on a mission, you're going to accomplish this, and then you have an interruption. But it's really a God appointment, okay? So it's going to cost our time. What else could it cost? Money. Yeah. God may want to use us in such a way it's going to cost us something as far as money's concerned. What else could it cost us? What? Your effort. Yeah. You could get tired doing some things that God may call you to do. How about emotional stuff? You get involved in people's hearts and you're 
in people's lives and your heart starts breaking for them. You know, that's why some people don't help others. It's like, I don't want to get emotionally involved with this person. Yeah, Chris. You see that God's what? Moving. Well, you know, we talk about what it's going to cost, but you know what? The benefits far outweigh the cost. You know, the blessings we receive, the, the sense of being used by God, and God makes it very clear that there will be eternal benefits to doing what he calls us to do. But, you know, what will it cost? As you guys have mentioned, i got on my note sheet here, it will be inconvenient, right? Peter and John's plans were interrupted. It could be inconvenient. It could be difficult. Uh, again, keep in mind that they don't know this at the time, but Peter and John end up being arrested and harassed and threatened because they helped somebody. But it will be worth it. So... As we often say, make a difference in your world. God wants to use you to make a difference in your world, a significant difference. And when I say significant, I mean for the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that uh, it's going to be earth-shaking, earth-shattering. It could be for the individual. But um, sometimes the smallest things can be tremendously significant if we're willing to be used by God. So the title, what I have, I give to you. you know, everything we have, we've been given by God. Are we willing to take whatever we do have and use it to touch other people's lives? So, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that we've had together tonight to look again at Peter's life and his ministry and the way that you used him. And I pray that you'd help us to take what we've seen here that applies to our lives too. God, it isn't always convenient. Um, It interrupts our day. It may cost us something. But I pray that you would use us to touch other people's lives. Lord, help us to be more aware Uh, maybe remind us in the morning to pray and throughout the day to be reminded that you want to use us as we go about our day and to have our eyes open, have our ears open, Lord God, to the people around us, but to your spirit so you can guide us to people that we can touch. And God, maybe we've even experienced that, but we've hesitated because we were concerned what it was going to cost us and we were embarrassed. We didn't know how they were going to respond. Help us to do like Sharon gave testimony to earlier tonight, to step out of our comfort zone to be willing to say that word, to share that thought, to offer to pray for someone that maybe is even a stranger, but you've prompted us, Lord God, and not be worried about what they think and do it in a loving, tactful way and knowing that you're going to use us, Lord God. It may be just to plant a seed. It may be to lead somebody to Jesus, but God, use us in our world. Father, we thank you and we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org. 